Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, hello, my friends. It is me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count, back with episode six of the Food is Not a Four-Letter Word podcast. And so if you are new to me and this channel or this podcast, I guess what we're going to talk about. Um, my name is Carmela Romalia. The G is silent. It is Italian. And as an Italian, oh, I get riled up. I, I, I'm explosive. I'm Italian. Um, I am passionate. What can I say? And, and this passion will likely will likely be demonstrated here in these podcasts. And when I created the the podcast, it was inspired by something that I saw on social media and I felt like I didn't have a voice. I tried to comment or I wanted to comment and people wouldn't understand because when I am speaking about body shame, uh, diet drama, body positivity, feeling good in your body, about your body, whether it's diet, exercise, weight loss, um, body dysmorphia, self-esteem, like anything in that wheelhouse. I am speaking from personal experience. I am speaking on based on my own pain, shame, and drama around my own body and my weight, and also in my capacity as the quote unquote happy calories girl. I have been coaching and helping women transform all of this stuff into a body and a life they love. They have freedom from food issues. They feel good. They they can just eat whatever they want and then they just instinctively know when to stop and they don't feel deprived and there is no calorie tracker, there is no app, there is no nothing. It is complete and utter freedom from food and exercise drama to this place that is transcendent. Uh, so I am speaking on my own personal experience and then as my experience as this coach, as this person who has been helping other women navigate this this uh, landscape, I guess, for 10 plus years. But then I'm also a Pilates instructor. So I have, I have that other component and how I have been the witness of women and women's relationships with their bodies in uh, in a in a private boutique Pilates studio um, environment where they do feel feel safe, and even if they don't feel safe, they can't help. You know, you you know, you, you're. It's kind of like being in looking at yourself in a dressing room mirror. Um, you can't hide how you feel about yourself. It's just it's just kind of there out in the open. And when people are working out with me, I don't know if it is. Um, just my spidey senses, how I can tune into it or whatever, but they really can't hide themselves from me. So um, that that's me. And, and this is what I speak about. And this podcast, um, it got started because I didn't have a framework to have the conversation that I wanted to have because people could not, couldn't get out of diet drama land. That the the fundamental shifts that I'm trying to describe are so deep, um, and this is one of the things I'm going to talk talk about in in this episode. But when these episodes come up, 
don't be surprised if I have a lot of intensity and a lot of drama in my voice because they are inspired by something that has ticked me off. It, they're they're inspired by something that see here's another example of what I'm trying to what what I'm trying to speak about. Um, and so I'll come into them like, all right, I just need to go talk about that. I'm going to talk about that thing. And so the this this podcast is for me. And this podcast is for you. It's not going to be, you know, like every Tuesday at 11 a.m., a new episode is going to come out. And this week we're going to feature X, Y, Z. No, the top, you know, you might get six podcasts in three days and you might not have another one for two weeks. And then, you know, however it goes. Now, if I get enough interest, if I have enough of an audience and enough listeners that are asking me questions and wanting to engage in a more personal way or in a way on air where I'm doing Q&As on air and I get enough volume, then by all means, I'm totally open to the idea of like, hey, every Thursday is Q&A day and I'll just go through the questions and answer them. But as long as the podcast is is content that is being originated from my response to the world, um, then it's just going to be catch it as is catch can. All right. Enough, enough of all that nonsense. So... I don't even know where to start. So I keep I keep speaking about this idea that there is diet drama land that is based on the diet and exercise model. And there is happy calories world, which is based on the idea of you being in partnership in relationship with your body. And that diet drama land is a transaction based experience and calories are a currency of exchange and you have to pay a price to eat and that price is exercise or weight gain. And that all of the emotional and psychological and spiritual dysfunction that we end up experiencing about our food exercise body and our weight, our self-esteem, all of that stuff is born out of that singular idea. And when you when you just reject that premise altogether, reject that idea and move to a relationship-based model where your body is your partner in, your, in relationship and your body knows how to create an optimized state of health, vitality, well-being, beauty, and joy, and it's always guiding you in that direction. And your job is to cultivate a relationship with your body and to understand its impulses without filtering everything through, oh my God, does it really want a cookie? Oh my God, no, that's bad. You know, all that stuff that's diet drama crap. Uh, when you can really cultivate this relationship with your body, your entire experience of food, exercise, your body and your weight changes. Not only does your experience of it change, but the actual results change as well. So I'm speaking about fundamentally two different frameworks, perspectives, models, and I would even go so far as to say something like ideologies or religions, you know, um, especially in the current social political climate that we are experiencing with a lot of upheaval around a lot of different topics. Um, there's a lot of fear in the world and and people people don't always show up as the best, as their best selves. And I'll just leave it at that. So anyway, uh, what inspired what inspired this particular episode <clears throat> was again me getting annoyed, 
And I was annoyed because I have been um, dealing with some health challenges. And so that's a completely different story about me navigating the medical system while trying to listen to my body and, you know, have my body lead the way. That That's a topic for a different podcast. Um, this one is about during my time where, you know, I literally could not move. And I'm a Pilates instructor, right? So I, I was kind of bedridden or couch ridden for a few days. And I didn't really have anything better to do. I just kind of mainlined episodes of Chicago Fire. I don't, I'm not a big TV watcher. I don't wa watch a lot of TV. I don't engage um, in media the way that a lot of, I guess, a uh, I guess the way I wouldn't say a lot of normal people do. I I mean, I guess the way most people engage with media, social media, film, TV, movies, I don't engage that way. And I don't engage that way for a couple of different reasons. Um, and this is just so that you can understand me a little bit more and understand my background and my framework. And so why you might want to listen to what I have to say. Okay, so in addition to my own pain and drama around my body and my weight, um, I I had a bit of of an experience. So I've been hospitalized for anorexia five times. For those of you that don't already know that, so as a young girl, I am having experiences with my body, and then I'm having like these quote unquote um, medical experts and the authorities tell me, you know, the way things are that were really undermining the relationship that I had with myself and the relationship with I have with my body because it was it was kind of like you know gaslighting in a way um they they didn't know anything better anyway you know um I was in the very first um I don't know if pilot pilot program of an eating disorders unit you know this was many 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 years ago um and now you know you go on instagram or whatever and everybody's like hashtag eating disorder recovery or whatever i mean back in my day we just didn't even speak about it, it was just it was it, it was a different time okay so i have this experience of having to navigate my way to learn to trust myself and trust my body regardless of what other people and and authoritarian figures or the authority figures were saying right so I, i've got that experience number two i'm an actress so i ha and and i've spoken i don't know on my show but i've spoken on other when i was the guest expert on other on other shows about how acting was really one of the thing that saved my life uh because if you if you have a dysfunction in that kind of way at like an, a, a really severe eating disorder that is literally killing you, uh, there are two things going on. There is the dysfunction, the childhood trauma, the dysfunctional family of origin, the, the um, you know, whatever it is, whatever the psychological abuse, whatever the bugaboo is that is causing you to act out in the first place. And then there is the the choice of acting out, whether that is drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, food, you know, whatever that may be. And I heal the food piece. So I, I, it didn't matter, you know, what the diet is. It didn't matter what all the other, 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 um, like exercise programs or whatever it is. If you are struggling with an eating disorder 
or you are struggling or you know someone who is or an addiction or anything like that, they always talk about how, you know, you have to want to change for yourself. You have to want to change. It has to come within them. You can't heal anybody else. It's the other person has to hit bottom or they have to choose that they want to get better or or whatever the case may be. For me, it was acting was the thing that saved my life. Um, and I've spoken about that. I'll tell again, I keep saying all this stuff is interrelated. I could go down so many ta tangents. I'll leave that story for another day. Suffice it to say that acting saved my life. But with within the framework of acting, some of the things that people don't really think about, if you're not an actor, you know, are, are things like motivation, character development, um, obstacles to overcome, the dynamics of, of what's happening in a scene or what's happening within the context of the story. And one of the things you learn really early on is that it's never about the words. It's never about the words. So you could have you could have the script and this the the script could say how you how how you doing? How you doing? There, there we go. We'll we'll do it. We'll do a Joey Tribbiani reference. The script could be like, "How you doing?" There are a million ways you could say, "How you doing?" It'd be like, "How you doing? How you doing?" Like, oh my god! Like you could be thinking, "Get off my back! I really don't want to deal with you right now. I've got so many other things I have to deal with, but I have to be polite to you." So it's going to be like, "How you doing?" You know, or you could be a, a happy person that's really engaged with life or or whatever. And so it could you're really trying to connect with somebody. How you doing? Or you could be really concerned about someone like you're, that person can really be your friend, the other person in the scene. And they're going through something really deep and and really, really just soul sucking or really life threatening. And you really, really care for that other person. And then it's like, how you doing? Like, are, are, are you really okay? How you doing? And then there could be like the Joey Tribbiani, how you doing? You know, right? That's not a very good Joey imp impersonation. But the idea is that it's not about the words. Those were the exact same words, four different ways or five, however many, however many ways I did it, because it's all about what's going on underneath. What is the scene? What, how, what is your relationship to the other person or the, the situation? And how are you mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually? There's, there's all of this dynamic stuff going on, right? And that's, that's just one little example of a scene. All right. Then that, then on top of that, with my experience as an actress and understanding character development and how things put together. And then not even just that, but I'm just talking about filmmaking in general, you know, the camera, the camera's got a point of view and you can't see outside of that little point of view. You never really know the whole story just by what a camera is. And don't even get me started on the Instagram TikTok phase yet. That's an, that's a whole another story, right? Um, but just in terms of filmmaking, you can have a, a you can have a scene that someone would expect is in some trop tropical, um, lush, wonderful uh, vacation spot, and you could film that scene like down at Home Depot with a bunch of with a bunch of tropical plants around you, and you wouldn't really know the difference based on how you can light the scene and how you can get camera angles and and sound effects and all sorts of different things that you can you're actually creating reality, right? So there's that, there's that piece. Then, hello, um, I've, I've run businesses for 20 years. So I've got a Pilates studio. Again, I've got the Happy Calories gig. And, you know, I've got a background in marketing. And, you know, there, and, and it's marketing 101. I mean, I think if you're, 
you know, and this is this is something that I really would have said 20 years ago, but I don't really know with um, the I don't really know with the current generation. And I sound really old and stupid when I say that. Um, but, you know, like what you're really seeing, because you, the, the newer generations are growing up all online, right? All on computers. I didn't have a computer until I was in college. Actually, I didn't even have a computer in college. I did I did. Yeah, that was the thing is like the girl downstairs had a computer and I didn't. I was still doing everything on my typewriter. Um, so I didn't have I didn't have my own computer until I went to grad school, I think. So it's a, it's like I have this whole I've got 25 years of life experience of dealing with life without this. So I, I honestly don't know what um, what is, quote unquote, common knowledge or common sense for people of a different generation. And I know that like when I was even in high school, it was it was very common knowledge. It was like, oh, well, if you want to have a business, well, a business has a product and the market, the supply and demand, the market kind of determines the need for this business, right? And and you're going to have a really successful business if you have a product that people want or they need. And it's even better if this product, you know, solves a problem. And so then what would happen is that people would have these products, but they didn't really do anything. So then what what you do in marketing, you know, is you convince someone that they have a problem and then you sell them the product you already made as the solution. Okay, so I want that's a really big thing is that you convince people that they have a problem when they really didn't have a problem, but you convince them that there's a problem, then they'll buy your solution. All right. So. All of this stuff that I'm speaking about, um, I, I, I'm setting the groundwork so that I really don't sound like a conspiracy theorist when, when I'm speaking about some of the things that we are actually really dealing with when we are navigating the landscape of body drama, when we are navigating the landscape of body positivity and diet and exercise and all of that stuff. So in my state of having to lie on the couch for three days and watch TV, I am inundated with these commercials because I'm watching Chicago Fire on the Amazon Prime app. So it's, you know, free with with like their little commercials. Now, this is another thing that I'm noticing because, again, I have a background in all of these different areas that I would say 80 percent of the commercials on the Amazon Prime app are for Amazon products, right? So that they're so now that I'm in Amazon and I'm watching Amazon Prime, the commercials that are coming up are going to be for the Amazon Blink home security system. They're going to be for the Amazon um, Halo thing that some fitness tracker app that is one of the things that inspired this episode. Um, for the Amazon, what was the other thing? Uh, it was, what was it? Amazon Music, Amazon World Shopping, like all of these different things. So you really have to go into these situations with your eyes wide open because your greatest power, and I'm not just talking about food and body image and weight loss and all of this stuff. The skills that we use here translate into some so many other areas of your life but because we're focused specifically on body drama this is where it's really going to resonate the most and this is why I draw your attention to them but they're the same kinds of things 
that that happen in the rest of the world just because it's basic human nature, right? So you and again, it's it's I'm not a conspiracy theorist and this is not like conspiracy thinking. I'm I'm thinking in terms of complex systems, complex organisms, organizations, societies, and then basic human motivation from like that actor perspective, right? So let's say, and I'm just making this example up on the fly, right? Let's say that back in the day, who knows when, you know, like maybe the 1800s or, you know, whatever, um, you know, people, well, one thing we do know is true is that people want, and this is a biological imperative, right? People want to look good and feel good about themselves because they they want to attract mates because, you know, we've got DNA coded into us to promulgate the species, right? So this isn't even, this isn't even about, you know, like a standard of beauty or, or anything external. It's an internal drive within us that, you know, we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel like we look good. We want to feel like we feel good in our bodies. And there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's a very, very good thing. And it aligns with nature itself. It aligns with how we survive as a species, okay? So back in, you know, makeup and era, whatever, people... Um, are just making general observations, right? Like you, and, and there there are a wide variety of body types, right? So you're gonna get the people that are the men who were going off to war or the men that are, you know, building the houses and they've got these strong physiques kinds of things. And then just kind of people, they need to feed the men, feed them, feed them, feed them to keep them big and keep them strong. And then you have over here, you might have um, someone who is a slimmer frame who just doesn't have that kind of appetite. Or you have someone else who is, um, you know, just daintier in their frame and doesn't seem that, you know, you eat like a bird. So so there are these general observations that people can make and and you get this these these ideas about, you know, food that sticks to your ribs or activities that, you know, work up an appetite or or that kind of thing. And that's just an observation. But then what happens is then once you start bringing in this idea of of marketing or solving a problem. Maybe there really wasn't a problem, but somebody wanted to solve a problem. So then they get into the psychology about like, oh, well, if you eat this over here, well, then you can trim your waistline. Or if you eat this over here, you know, then you can bulk up and build muscle. And my friends, if you're, if you're a, a woman listening to this and you are experiencing body drama and you know the pain of that, you know, it's just as bad for men. I mean, the guys that I know that are the guys that are just slightly on the skinny side, they have just as hard a time as the girls that are just slightly on the heavy side. You know, it, it's it's this it's not necessarily unique to women. What may be unique to women is women's sensibilities and how we might choose to deal with this type of problem. And maybe we might internalize it more and think it's our fault more or think that it is somehow a reflection of our self-worth more than a guy would. But the guy still has the same impact, he still suffers the same quote unquote consequence of this general idea about um, just 
people making assumptions about someone's health, lack thereof, somebody's diet choices, what diet choices should be or activities should be based on the physical body in front of them. And so then if you take Madison Avenue saying, hey, we're going to, you know, um, we want we want to create this problem because we've got this weight loss product that we need to sell. But then they use the diet and exercise model as a way to sell the product product because diet and exercise is hard. You know, it's so hard. You don't want to do that. Here, do our little pre-packaged, pre-portioned food thing because that way the food comes to you already and you don't have to think about it and you, it's already pre-portioned so you don't have to worry about overeating. And all of those things, you know, they, they're based in that idea that you only have so many calories that you get to eat a day, but then they perpetuate that idea. Right. So so then this cycle gets continued and then it becomes part of this cultural consciousness. It becomes part of the cultural fabric. And then that perpetuates a new thing, you know, and and it just it, it goes on and on, <laughs> on and on and on like the Energizer Bunny. Or I, I was going to say the I told two friends and they told two friends and so on and so on and so on. And so what happens is that this thought system this these assumptions the set uh, sets of beliefs they become normalized they be, they become they become something that you don't even question anymore they they they're yeah i guess the lack of the 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 term that i'm looking for is that they actually normalize this okay so i feel like we are entering a new era or we've been in the new era with technology, with the internet, with the apps, with, you know, social media and all of this stuff, that things go viral really quickly. And, and ideas can get spread, but also ideas can get reinforced. And the diet and exercise model is constantly getting reinforced. And so I can count that. So there was the Amazon Halo thing, there was a Samsung watch thing, and there was another, um, oh, there was WW. Okay, so here, here's another great one. So watch how, watch how selling a product, if you're coming from a business, business perspective, the psychology, and, and this is, this is what I'm talking, what I'm trying to help you understand is how people are really playing psychological warfare with you. And I don't necessarily mean that in an antagonistic way. Um, they might not even realize that they're doing that. Um, they're, tr they're just trying to sell, sell a product, right? Uh, but the way to sell a product is to play on people's emotions, to get them in a state of feeling less than. And so if you have this product or service, then you will at least feel stable, you know, not necessarily more than, but at least you'll start to feel okay about yourself. Now, the biggest, the biggest diet, success, biggest successful, you know, diet program in the entire country for years and years and years was Weight Watchers, right? And, and I want you to think about, I want you to think about the psychology of this. Weight Watchers, the name, Weight Watchers. We're going to watch our weight, we're going to be diligent so that we so that we're going to we're going to take care so that we don't just let ourselves go and get fat as we get older. We're going to watch our weight. And I don't 
I should have looked this up, but you know, it really doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'm sure it came about in the era, in the era of when it was hip and cool to, you know, be the girl that stays at home and her husband's off at work and then he comes home and she hands him, you know, his martini when he walks in the door and she's all perfectly quaffed, you know, like the leave it to beaver, leave it to beaver era, you know, that that Americana kind of sense, that kind of that kind of idea when it was like, okay, ladies, now we're going to be home all day. Um, Let's let's watch our weights. Now, I don't know that that's true, but it fits my story. I think it would. I think it I think it's it's not necessarily um, an illogical assumption. It is an assumption that I'm making. I'm not claiming it to be true, but but it fits with like what I'm trying to describe as how things could evolve. Right. So then we've got this thing where it's Weight Watchers. Women are going to get together to help them support each other to lose weight. And Weight Watchers has traditionally been based on that diet and exercise model that this is how much you get to eat. And if you get if you eat more then you need to exercise. Right now, coming along, coming along, coming along, time and place in history, then it becomes, oh, passe. Well, now they've got a now they've got a rebrand. You know, now there's Jenny Craig in the mar- market, their p- marketplace, there's Nutrisystem, there's there's all this other stuff going on. They need to reclaim their share of the market. They need to to buckle up again, rebrand, reinvigorate the brand, whatever it is. So then they come in with these things like points. You don't, it's not about, it's not about the food. You know, you can eat whatever you want. We're just going to have points. Well, points, excuse me, is just another way of tracking the food. It's just, you know, if you have a banana, a a banana is two points. But if you have a piece of pizza, a piece of pizza is 10 points. And you're allowed how many points a day if you want to lose X and X weight, you know, all all of this kind of stuff that they do. They're not really changing anything except they're so... They're they're changing the color of the house. They're putting up, you know, new shutters. They're new. They're they're, you know, doing some landscaping, but they're not really changing the fundamental underlying structure of what's going on. Well, then, you know, Oprah's going to make it cool. So now now they're going to have Oprah come on and now Oprah's going to make it cool. And she's going to claim about how, you know, oh, it's a lifestyle. It's this lifestyle that you commit to and you can eat anything you want. You just can't eat everything you want or everything all at the same time or whatever it is. Now, again, I keep saying this over and over again. All of that dysfunction that Oprah claims that you have, that she's figured out how to navigate or whatever, that dysfunction comes from that base idea that you only get so much to eat, that calories are a currency of exchange. You have to pay a price to eat. That price is exercise or weight gain. That is the idea that creates all the dysfunction in the first place. You pull that linchpin, all the cards fall. It's a house of cards. The dominoes fall. Everything goes away. You are left with nothing but... (laughs) Happy calories world. And we'll get to that in a second. But the, this idea that, you know, Oprah is going to make it cool again. Well, that worked for a, for a few years. But then in the rise of popular culture, we've got this body image, body positivity thing going on. And so people might think, oh, Weight Watchers, that's a diet. That's diet culture. Diet culture has become this huge thing on Instagram, right? And it's this really bad thing. Diet culture is bad. Diet culture is bad, 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 bad. We don't want anything at all to do with diet culture. So now Weight Watchers is a business filled with a marketplace that is now their anti-diet culture. 
which is what Weight Watchers is, right? Weight Watchers is diet culture, but it's in this marketplace that's anti-diet culture. So what do they do? They rebrand again. Now we're WW. WW. It, we're, 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 we're wellness. We're WW, you know, and here, use this fancy app. Use this fancy app to track everything. And so nowhere in there are they talking about calories. Nowhere in there are they really talking about the core things. They're, they're just slickly glossing over, um, you know, they're letting go of the the trigger words that would be distasteful to the current marketplace, and they're embracing the words that the current marketplace uh, rallies around without actually changing their product, without actually changing the core idea behind that weight loss method, behind that idea. And so I use this as an example to, to help you see that that marketing is everywhere and 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 with the the current the current you know tech age that we're in with the internet with the the screens the the ads that pop up on the blogs and the tiktok and the this and the uh suggested posts this and the sponsored posts this and that and that people are clamoring for your attention all the time if they can just get a half a second of your eyeballs to show you an image, to to create an impression, to to make an impact somehow, to to cause you to have a, a, an, an emotional response to something, to click the link, to then explore, to buy the product. And this has become normal. Th- this is the normal way we operate. So in terms of normalizing uh, the diet and exercise model within the fabric of our very culture, they're also normalizing the way that this gets played out in practice. And so, you know, if I were a conspiracy theory, which I'm not, but, you know, it, it's, it's, it is like a big psyop where it's like psychological warfare, um, where the warfare isn't trying to, you know, take over a country or take over the world or, you know, like that kind of stuff that you would see in something like the Manchurian Candidate or something like that. Again, hello, actress, all dramatic. Um, but what this is, it, it is um, psychological warfare. Warfare is really a strong word, but it's it's that that intention to change the way you think so that then what you want to do is buy that product or service. And it is very evident in the weight loss arena. And and that's where I'm going to speak. I'm not going to speak about anything else going on in the world um, where where these tactics may be used in other areas. You know, that's not my jam. That's not my wheelhouse. Where where it is important to me is where it helps, where, where it's contributing to your disempowerment, where that's contributing to you not feeling good about yourself. And that is the thing that is going to tick me off and have me just stand up here and shut the dog up, you know, put him in the back room, close the door, turn on my microphone and record an episode. So to get back to this idea of what I was watching on TV, um, this Amazon Halo commercial that they just kept running over and over and over again. It's like, oh, it's Amazon Halo is like this membership um, program that apparently it's got this app on your phone. But what they're talking about is they're talking about, you know, it tracks the things that your body can't track. You know, the scale can't track. It tracks all of these other things. And then you're going to have all of this data and it's going to help you get to know your body better. You know, now there's a piece about data and then there's a piece about relationship. And I'm going to get to the piece about relationship 
in a bit. But think about this idea that it's like it's just going to this app, it's going to track everything. It's going to track all of this stuff. So you're going to know, you know, if you're sleeping or it's going to know what you're eating or or what your your activities are or whatever. And then there was this Samsung watch thingy that kept coming up over and over and over again. And again, it was like, um, this is to get to know your body better. We're going to help you get to know your body better than you, you know yourself. You know, all, all, all of these ways that people are are using language and using, really, it is, I mean, go take a marketing class, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, it is, it is, what is, what is the thing that's going to resonate with the person's pain point? Or if they don't have a pain point, create a pain point and then push that sucker until that person is forced to click, right? And, and I just think it's abhorrent. I just, I, I do, I don't like that. I don't market that way. I don't I don't do any of my stuff that way. Um and so take it from me if if you ever do reach out, I'm I'm never going to be like, "All right, you got to sign up right now because this is this offer is going to expire in, you know, 24 minutes." That kind of stuff that is just that is just the stuff of of pain and drama and and I'm getting ahead of myself. But what, what I'm trying to describe is in the tech age, they are normalizing the apps. They're normalizing the Fitbits and they're normalizing the idea that it is the app and the Fitbit and the data and the data about food and exercise that is going to contribute to your health. And that is where I have to, you know, just get on my high horse and get behind the microphone um, because one, it's psychological warfare and I don't think that's a fair game. And two, it's absolutely not true. Better data does not by definition mean better decisions. I'm going to say that again. Better data does not by definition mean better decisions. And here's, you want to know why they get you all riled up? Why, why they, they work so hard to, to get you in a state of agitation so that you're going to be all freaked out and all feeling good about, all feeling bad about yourself. So you're going to make that impulse buy because people do not make, people are not rational. People are not rational, no matter how, no matter how uh, much we try to believe that we are, uh, no matter how how and this is what's funny is that ask any economist my my uh, undergrad degrees in economics and it's really funny because economics is all of the economic models are based on the idea that people are rational people aren't rational and that's why that's why you have lots and lots of different economic models and that's why you have lots and lots of different economic theories and a lot of them don't necessarily always play out right you know so the best the best those apps can do is kind of like be a weather app you're never going to be able to control the weather and and how often are the weather people actually right I mean, that must be the best job in the world, right? It's an old joke that you can be wrong half the time and still keep your job that, you know, they say, oh, it's a such and such percent of precipitation or whatever. And then it doesn't rain. And they're like, but it was only this other percent. There's always that back door. Think about it like the weather. You can't control the weather. The weather is an organic, living, breathing thing, just like your body. So people do not make decisions 
based on rational thought. People make decisions out of emotion, which is why they try to to um, show you images of beautiful people with the idea that if you were the beautiful person with the ha- shiny, happy life, what happens is they've created this idea that you see an image of a beautiful person. And so you're going to project a shiny, happy life experience onto that person because you think that if you looked like that then you would be shiny and happy too and that's what you really want is happiness but then that person is all cool because they're driving this car or because they're wearing these clothes or because they're using this perfume or whatever the case may be it's it's constant 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 undermining of your sense of self and constant 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 programming um seeking for validation and seeking for feeling good outside of yourself. And that's just reality. You know, that that's that's just the environment in which we live. I am not I'm not here behind my microphone trying to bash it or go to war with it. This is just to help you understand the reality of the situation that we're living in. And when you understand the reality of the situation we're living in, then you can take a step back, a step up. You can take a beat. You can take a breath and you can really see what's going on. And then you can stand in your own power. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be able to stand in your own power to make the decisions for yourself, not because somebody else has told you something to, that's gotten you all spun around so that you feel bad about yourself. And now you're not, you're not acting from your highest and best self. I want you to, sh- I want to show you these things so that you can really look at what's going on so that then you can have the perspective of, Hey, you know what? And, and I even remember I even remember actually making the statement. Okay, I'm a Buffy fan. I'm just going to say that right there. You know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, TV series. I loved it. I, I thought it was fun. And back when Sarah Michelle Gellar was riding that fame high, she was one of the Maybelline models, one of the spokespersons for Maybelline. And so she was selling this mascara full lash. And I was in the market for a new mascara. You know, why not? And then I remembered... Buffy, you know, was selling her Maybelline Full and Soft uh, mascara. And so here I am in the in the uh, the drugstore looking at mascara. And then I grabbed this and I look at him like, if it's good enough for Buffy, it's good enough for me. And I bought it. And I knew that. So this is what I'm talking about. It's like you're empowered. It's you can see the man behind the green curtain and still choose to do what you want to do. You can know that all of this stuff is going on and still decide you want to be on a diet. That is cool. That is your right. That is your choice. What I'm what I'm trying to help you do is to help you to be empowered, to see what's going on, and to be able to make the best, most informed choice for yourself, for your own well-being, with your own set of circumstances in this particular moment in time where your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions are congruent and everything is supporting your best self. That's what all of this stuff is about. So it it could sound conspiracy if you if you're coming from that kind of perspective because there is a, there's a psychology in marketing there's psychology in everything there is psychology in trying to get your kids to go to bed you know trying to get your kids to eat the spaghettios or clean up their rooms trying to get your spouse to you know stop leaving the socks on the floor or to empty the dishwasher or or whatever it is it's just part of life and so i want you to be aware when it is actively being used in a way to influence you 
to make a choice that you or make a decision or or have a mindset or to have have a um, a perspective on something that you don't know that it's happening. When you don't know that it's happening, that's when I got to stand up and say, hey, this is not right. As long as you know it's happening and you are cool with it's happening and you make whatever choices you want to make about that, yay, glory, ha- glory, hallelujah, that is your right. You stand in your personal power. You go, girl. It's all good. It's when you don't know that it's happening that I have a problem with that. And I see so many people, so many people stuck in the drama of 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 diet drama land, diet culture, whatever the dysfunction is, because they don't really understand how deeply this stuff goes. You know, how far down the rabbit hole are you really going to go, Neo? Uh, and and then th- there is an alternative. And the reason why I, I bring up the alternative to happy calories, happy calories grew out. It was so here, you know, I've just spent what? What is this? 43 minutes. I've just spent 43 minutes talking about the psychology of marketing and, you know, all of that stuff and what people do to get you to to buy their product or buy their service or whatever, whatever that was. I spent the first I don't know how many years I was doing this just trying to get people out of diet drama land to, to show people what was happening. And and here's the thing is that nature abhors a vacuum. And apparently, so do we. <laughs> so do our brains. So if I didn't create an alternative to diet drama land, it didn't matter how many times I talked to a client on the phone. It didn't matter how many times I pulled them back from the edge. It didn't matter how much weight they lost. None of that stuff mattered because as soon as they left me, they got sucked back into diet drama land because they didn't have something else to think about. So happy calories is something else to think about. And then that way you don't get sucked back into diet drama land. Now, This is all going to come full circle. I promise this is all going to start to make sense. I don't know how it happens, but somehow I have found that when I am speaking my truth and I just get into this space where, you know, I trust myself and I trust what's going to come out of my mouth or come out of my fingertips if I'm writing or whatever it is, and I just let go, somehow or another, it all just ends up wrapping up in a way that makes sense that I have no idea how it even happened. All right. So we're talking about the culture, this tech culture, this app culture, and this this marketing culture where it's that the the data is what's going to give you your health. The data from the Fitbit, the data from this watch, the data from this membership plan, you know, and it's going to track you and it's going to app you and it's going to do all of this stuff. All right. Has any of that type of stuff ever helped you in an interpersonal relationship? So I want you to take a minute and I want you to think about your best friend. And I want to, th- I, and you know, there, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people. I want you, I want you to just kind of amuse, just reflect. And, and it can be now if if you can um if you can go that quickly with me with the speed with which i'm talking and if you can't i really 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 encourage you to do this after 
this after this episode is over you know to just take some time really reflect maybe journal whatever you want whatever you're inspired to do I want you to really think about relationships relationships in the general sense not even your best friend so like the relationships in general in the general sense like however old you are you know think about the the kids at school you know and the cliques at school and if you fit in or if you didn't fit in and if you did fit in what were the dynamics like and and I know and I know it is going to be um different for the millennials and younger because you've had the technology at critical developmental periods in your life that those of us that are older didn't have um but the principle still applies so I want you to think about you know, different jobs you've had, you know, um, to make money, whether it's babysitting, whether it's serving, whether it's, you know, digging ditches or picking blackberries for the summer or whatever it is. And I don't know if this is your experience specifically, but I've spoken with enough people that I know that this is a common experience, is that sometimes you, the actual job the, the actual thing it is that you do that you get paid for is really awful and really kind of sucky and really kind of gross. But the people with whom you're doing it, you know, like your team or or whatever, the people around it, your manager or your coworkers or whatever, or your clients are so awesome. They're so amazing that the whole job is fun. Right. It doesn't matter if you're digging ditches. You're digging ditches with the most awesome people in the whole wide world. And all you do is laugh the whole time. I mean, it's it's such a workout because you're you're doing you're doing the upper body work. But then you're you're laughing so hard that your core is getting a workout, too. You know, it's just so much fun. You don't even get you don't even care how much you get paid. It's just it's just so much fun. Right. Then you could also have an experience where the job itself is the best job in the world. It's like what you really want to do. And, and I've had this personal experience like with acting, you know, that that what I wanted to do, I wanted to be an actress. I want I wanted that leading lady role. You know, it was it was it was just like dream come true, like the actual craft and then all of this stuff. And and it could be anything, you know, it could be like programming or it could be sales or it could be, you know, whatever it is that floats your boat, whatever it is that thing is for you that you love to do, whether it's, you know, art or web design or or whatever graphics. But the people with whom you are working are so awful. The relationships are so dysfunctional. It's just so awful that it is like you can't quit fast enough. Like they couldn't pay you to do that job. Right? The relationships are so important. Relationships are this missing piece that people oftentimes don't even think about. Now, if you're in a big corporation and you're talking about middle management and stuff, they're always trying to talk about, you know, like, how can you get the most out of your people? How can we get our people to be more productive and all of these kinds of things? Um, and, and again, it gets into the psychology and the psyops and the motivations and what can we do to help people do what we want them to do, right? Help people. How can we get people to do what we want them to do as a business owner, as someone selling a product or or whatever the thing is. And I'm all about how can I get you to do what you want to do? 
how can I help you see all that other stuff so that you are actually standing in your own power and doing what you want to do? Now, relationships are a really big piece of that. So now I want you to think about, you know, your friends, your best friend, you know, your best friend. What is that relationship like? You know, th think about how much fun you have, you know, like just like just hanging out and just being silly or, or whatever the nature of the relationship is. Think about your most positive relationships, you know, and that could be, you know, with someone who's a coworker. That could be with someone who's in an intimate relationship with you. That could be a brother or a sister or an aunt or a, a grandfather or, you know, whoever, whoever it is in your life. I want you to think about the qualities of those relationships and how you feel inside when you when you think about that other person and how you feel inside about yourself when you think about that other person. Okay. I want you to think about how you engage with them. Think about the dynamics of that. And in the current era, that could be that you're FaceTiming them. That could be that you're texting them. That could be that, you know, you're sending them pic cat pictures all day long. I'm not saying that technology is not part of that relationship. Technology could be the way that you met. Technology could be the way that you, that like through Facebook or social media or some dating site. Um, technology could be the way that you stay engaged. I'm not talking specifically about technology. Okay. How, what is the essence of that relationship? How are you engaging in that relationship? Okay. Now, do you really need an app to track how many times you've texted your friend? Do you really need an app to say, oh, our conversation was 36 minutes this time. Our conversation was, was 34 minutes last time. So, oh, therefore our relationship must have improved because we've spoken long, we've spoken two minutes longer in this last interaction. interaction. Data about measuring your relationship does not do anything to help you improve the quality of your relationship. I'm going to say that again. Data about the nature of your relationship does not do anything to help you improve the quality of your relationship. And that's the rub. That's what all of these fitness apps and these fitness trackers and all of this kind of stuff are doing. They're, they're, they're setting up this idea that if you had data about your body, if you had all of this information, all this data, then therefore you'd be better with your body. And that is not true. Number one, it's not true because, hey, people aren't rational, you know, and, and number two, it's not true because we're, we're talking about a, a, a relationship. We're talking about give and take. And, and I'll get into this. Um, uh, we're already after 50 minutes. I don't know when I'm going to get into this, but, you know, more about what, what really constitutes a real relationship. We're going to really get into that, about what that is about in cultivating this idea of developing a relationship with your body. But just in terms of this idea about data, data works when, um, when you're measuring something that is not organic, when you're measuring something that is an element. Data works when you are talking about water freezes at zero degrees. Data works when you're talking about, okay, this room is 12 feet by eight feet 
And how much sheetrock do I need to buy to be able to, you know, sheetrock this room to prepare it for painting or whatever? That is when data is really, really helpful and really, really useful. But data does not, data helps, but data is not the only criteria when you are dealing with organic things. Things like, hey, a garden. You know what? You're trying to grow a beautiful garden. And you know what? You plant a ton of seeds because you know not all of those seeds are going to take. If it were data, you know, it's like, oh, well, 70% of these seeds aren't going to take. So we should plant so many seeds. But that doesn't tell you which seeds are going to take, which seeds aren't and why certain seeds are going to take or not going to take. That is the realm of mystery. That is the realm of living. That is the, that is the realm of life energy. And life energy is flowing through your body. If life energy were not flowing through your body, you'd be dead. It's, this, it's that inexplicable, mysterious thing that no one can really explain. And so th- the data alone is not going to help you. The data is only going to confuse you. It's that mysterious thing of life energy that you work with to help you create the sense of optimizing your body, to create the sense of getting to know your body, to create that sense of that peace and freedom from food because you're not thinking in terms of what it might cost you because we've just blown that diet and exercise model out the window, okay? So I think, I think I've blown your minds enough for now. I, I need a water break. Um, But I need to make notes. I need to come back to these ideas because these are really big ideas about how your body is not a caloric balance sheet. And on some level, you know that. I know you know that because to say to say that your body is just calories and exercise out is ridiculous. But look at at look at the psyops that's happening. Look at all of these ways that the the Fitbits and the the Halo, the Amazon Halo and the 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 WWs and all of that stuff are are still twisting these ideas back into your psyche. You don't really understand how deeply ingrained this stuff is and how you were just driven, how it's driving you. It's an unconscious driver of how you're making these choices and making these assumptions about yourself and about your self-worth and all of the stuff that just comes out of nonsense. All right? So I, I'm making my notes. So I got to talk more about, you know, this divine nature and why we know that diet and exercise doesn't work and, and how can you harness the power of the, the innate wisdom of your body to not only heal itself, but to also optimize itself. And then also this idea of relationships. How do you actually cultivate a relationship? So I've made those two notes. I want you to go ponder everything I've said. Maybe listen to this episode again and again and again, because there is a lot of stuff in there, especially when it comes to how people are, uh, how people are encouraging you to think the way they want you to think, rather than to actually think for yourself to step back and say, hey, you know what, Buffy can sell me that mascara. You know what, but that mascara has nothing at all to do with my self worth. That mascara might not even be the best mascara on the market. There might be better mascara on the market. I might decide that I want lash extensions instead of mascara. There are a bajillion different alternatives. There are a bajillion different ways. But you know what? I know that, you know, they that they used an actress that's in a popular show that I liked to market this thing. And so I'm going to play that game with them wide open. I'm going to say, Buffy, you can sell me mascara. That is totally your right. I just want you to see that it's happening so that you stand in your own power and that you 
have that you have the sense of self that you can make the choices that you want to make that will empower and support you to feeling your highest and your best. And that's where I'm going to leave it, my friends. I hope that you have a super happy day and I will talk to you when I am all riled up and inspired again. All right. Have a great day. Bye. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care.